Good morning. Uh, I just, I don't know, it's like writer's block. If I don't say that, I can't get anything else. So uh, I just have to do that, right? Like just type something on the page and after that, you're good to go. And uh, that's my thing, I guess. But man, so excited to be here with you guys this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, you can flip to Hebrews near the back and uh, we're going to be towards the end of that book in chapter 12. But we're going to continue this morning a series we started a few weeks ago um, called Focus. And I don't know about you guys, I've been enjoying um, focus, me and two people, thank you, appreciate that, Uh, it lets me know all my studying and hard work pays off, Uh, um, just kidding, but man, I've been enjoying what God's been speaking um, out of this the past few weeks, and I'll be honest, if nobody else needs it, I need it, and I'm selfish enough to want to get close to God for myself, so um, I'm good with it. But uh, we kind of piggybacked this series off the first series at the beginning of the year, uh, which is come back. This idea that we can come back to God. And and I believe that today for every person that's ever breathed, that God made a way on the cross, that everybody could come and be with him. And to those he calls, he will receive. And I, I I just believe that God is calling people back to him this year. And maybe that means for us in the church, he's calling us closer. I know maybe for a lot of us last year, it was a year we didn't really feel close to God. We had struggles in a rough year and, and we had a lot going on. And maybe for some of us, it's been years. And, and I just want to say a little light in the darkness today. God says you can come back. Uh, so you can come back. God has the final word on stuff like that, and he gets to decide. And if he says you can come back, you can come back. But I also believe that for other people. I believe that, man, would it be an amazing year if at the end of this year we were like, man, look at what God did in our homes and our community and in our city and in our world um, because of what he's doing in this place. See, I believe, I'm foolish enough to believe, I guess, that if we really know Jesus and he changes our hearts, that it's too much for us to hold. And other people are going to take notice and take note, and we're going to move somewhere outside of these walls into some other place, and we're going to allow God's light to shine in the darkness. He says that we're a what? A city on a hill, that we're a, a light to the world, that we're, that we're salt, that there were all these things that are meant to affect the people around us. And, and I just believe this year, man, if we would just get on board with what God's already doing, really, God's already going. If we just get on board with what God's already doing, that at the end of this year, it could be an amazing thing just to stand and say, man, this really was a year that God said people could come back. What an amazing thing that would be. But the thing is, if we're going to come back this year, we don't want to go back into that cycle of close and far and close and far and close and far. Uh, I've been there. It's like tied, right? Like you're like, man, I'm so close to God. And about the time you get there, you're like, oh, I'm going away. And we can't stay there unless we focus. It takes some work, really, to stay close to God. I don't know that maybe that's a weird word in church, work, because um, we think we just come up and pray a prayer that one time, and everything's easy after that. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the truth of the Word of God. It takes some work if we're going to be close to God, and we're going to stay there. So we've been talking about this idea of focusing the past few weeks, and we're going to do that again this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, Hebrews is a book written by nobody really knows who. Um, we say Paul, but some of the context in the letter would say it's probably not actually Paul. I think I've stood up here and said it's Paul before, but, you know, studying, we can change our opinion. Um, but maybe it is, maybe it wasn't, but some of the context would lead to believe it's not. Um, some people say it's Timothy, but it references Timothy, and unless he likes to talk about himself in the third person, it's probably not. Uh, Timothy, some people say it's Luke, Barnabas, there's like a list of like a million guys. And the truth of it is, it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter who wrote the book. Like it was... <laughs> doesn't change the truth of the book just because it come from this person versus this person. And it doesn't really matter who the author is. The author is a second generation Christian. It's somebody who wasn't a disciple that walked with Jesus, but a disciple that came to know Jesus after the death and the resurrection of Jesus in the context of the letter. But it was written to, and this part does matter, um, the church. It was written to believers, and specifically in this letter, believers that were uh, once Jewish people, Hebrews, right, uh, that had come to know um, Jesus. It's written to believers like us, people who would say that we're maybe church words saved, that we know Jesus, we've given our life to him. And it's written about two things, and one of those is the superiority of Christ. It's all through the letter that Jesus is greater than all the festivals and all the events and all the rules and all the things. Jesus is not just some religious stamp that we add to our little passport before we get to heaven. But he's superior to everything, every ounce of religion. Man, what a message to the church today. You're like, I'm not a Hebrew, but we are religious. We get in our 
things and we convince ourselves that if we do this or go this way or we sit here, we're here this many Sundays, that we're okay with God. And that's not how we mark our relationship with Jesus. But it also deals with how we live out this Christian life. I I love this. None of us have an excuse today about not being able to live and to follow Jesus because every one of us has this word. Right? And every one of us probably think a teacher today has the ability to read it. Like babies at first, maybe we need to come and we need to hear and we need to sit, but eventually you have to feed yourself. And if you don't feed yourself, you end up being a 33-year-old in the restaurant, right, with a mom flying the airplane into your mouth. It's weird. It's weird that some of us are 33 years in the faith and we still don't open up the Word of God. Let's wait on somebody to fly the plane in on Sunday. And I love flying the plane in. Praise God, that's the gift he's given me and I want to use it. But we're never going to grow with God until we open up his word. And the amazing thing is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the story and some teachings of Jesus. And then the rest of the book is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? And Hebrews is that letter to these people and to us this morning. We got the gospel. What do we do with it? We know Jesus. Now, what do we do? And 12 starts out, and I love 12 because it starts out with my favorite word, and it's therefore. That means we're about to read half of the story. I'm a context guy. I was taught very early on that therefore, if you see that, you got to go back and see what the therefore is therefore. And I just remember that phrase every time that I see therefore. Um, So that's about half of the story right there. And if we start there, it's going to be a cool little picture, but really context matters. So we got to back up and we got to figure out what the therefore is there for. And the therefore starts at chapter 11 today. Don't worry, I'm going to not preach two chapters to you, but I am going to do two and a half, one and a half um, so it'll be okay. Um, and 11, here's the context of 12. This is now faith. Faith is what we're talking about here. Is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof is what... Of what is not seen. He gives us this definition of faith. It's a very confusing definition. I think that's why they attribute it to to Paul sometimes. Because he can get that way. Um, But it says faith is this reality. It's it's real. It's the reality of what is hoped for. It's the proof of what is not seen. It's, It's a weird definition, right? Okay, that doesn't make sense, right? Like faith is reality, but you can't see it. It's, it's proof, but you can't touch it or hold on to it. it it's, it's a weird word. Faith isn't just some magical belief that there may be a God and he may do certain things. That's what it's saying. I think some of us have in our heads that faith is this blind thing that we just enter into because it's the better of two options, right? Like heaven or hell. If there is a heaven or hell, I don't want to go to hell, so I will believe that there may be a God and he may have died on the cross and he did things. That's not faith. Faith is something that you can't take hold of. You can't see it, but it is reality and there is proof in it. It's not believing in something you have seen. That's not faith. It's believing that I will see it. It's this deep-rooted conviction in my heart that there is something to who God says he is and what he does. And the proof is there. And you're like, well, how is, how is there proof in that? Well, let me give you an example outside of the Bible to maybe give you an example inside of the Bible. So if I was leaving today, I'm going to use Disney because if you know me, I go to Disney a lot. If I was leaving today and I knew I was going to Disney, maybe I've never been there before. Maybe I've never seen it, but I've heard stories. I've met people that have been there. There's enough proof out there, even though I haven't seen it, there's enough proof out there that I I can believe with with faith or have confidence in the reality that it exists. And the hope today is not maybe that I would go to Disney. Believe me, I'm going to go to Disney, not today, but I'm going to go. Um, But the hope is that I, I get to go soon. It's this yearning, this longing that I would soon see what I already believe. That's, that's the faith that we're speaking about here today. It's, it's, I believe it way down deep in my heart and and I know that it's coming and I have this longing to see what I already believe. That's this faith. 
And it says in three, um, or two, sorry, I skipped one. That's a little here. Uh, For by it, our ancestors were approved. By our faith, our ancestors, those who come before us in the faith, were approved by God. It says in three, by faith, we understand. Again, we, we, we know, we believe that the universe was created by the word of God. There's actually God who spoke everything into existence so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. In other words, we believe God made the universe out of nothing. He spoke everything into existence. It's not like God had a bunch of cosmic Legos and put everything together, but there was nothing and God just spoke and his word created everything. And we believe that. This is something that, I'm not going to chase this rabbit long, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, something that is under attack in the faith today. Because a bunch of people who weren't there said it happened this way. And we believe the people that weren't there instead of the God who was there. And Christians, we, we, we compromise on that. I'm not, saying that, that, I'm not saying today that you can't believe science. I'm not against science. I think science in, in its true form actually affirms what God says. Um, but I think science and agenda would, would move us away from what God says. And here, here's the truth today, and this is why it's under attack. Again, I'm not going to chase this long, but... If God didn't create everything, then there is no creator. And if there is no creator, there is no God. A God who didn't create everything is a God that you owe nothing to. We cannot give up creation. Because if you give up creation, you give up God. If you're an accident today, you owe nothing to anyone. But God in creation today says that you are a person that I love and I have made. And you have a purpose. The world wants you to believe you have no purpose. You're just floating through this life. You're an accident. And God says everything but that. You are loved today by a father in heaven who made you fearfully and wonderfully made you, knit you together in your mother's womb. And this God who created the universe and who loves us is a God that we owe everything to. See, that's a, that's a belief that affects our life. That's what faith is. Faith is belief connecting with life. He goes on and he says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. He offered this better sacrifice than his brother. By this, he was approved a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through this. What he's saying is God or Abel saw who God was and he believed it. And it affected his life. It caused him to give a better gift than his brother. And, and, and he, he had struggled. He, he's dead now, but he still speaks like I believe and it affected. It goes on and says, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation, he was approved, having pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, goes back to creation, and, and rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. So we see Enoch here who believed that God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he's doing, and it affected his life in such a way that God just called him out of this place. Isn't that amazing? See, faith is not just some magical belief that something may or may not be, but it is a thing that, that, that infects and intersects with our life. Faith, belief without life, without action, it isn't really belief at all. It changed Abel, it changed Enoch, and it says that those who seek him, God rewards. So, so today, if we'll look for him, God will do something today in us. By faith, Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen, in, in reverence, built an ark, to deliver his family, but this, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. Noah believed what God said, and it caused him to build a boat. Faith and life. That, that's every story through here. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he, when he was called, obeyed, and he went out to a place, and he, he left where he was, and he, and he went out, and he, he searched to where God would have him to be. It says, for he was looking forward to a city that has no foundations, whose architect and builder was God. God didn't tell Abraham where he was going, did he? He just said, go. You go, and I'll do these things. And he believed God in such a way that it moved him out of comfort where he was, this place that his family had settled in. It moved him out just to follow God, not having direction, not knowing where he's going, not having a plan. You don't have to know the plan today. God knows the plan. But, but believing in God affects our life, and that's the story of Abraham. We see over and over and over again through this word, faith without life isn't really faith at all. 
This is about faith. Even Sarah herself, when she was barren, received power to conceive offspring. She was like old, right? Beyond childbearing years, but she believed God. And then God did something in her life. God worked in her life because belief affects our life and God works in that place. And on and on and on, right? This is in 13. These all died in faith without having received the promise, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were Foreigners and temporary residents on this earth, they believed, even though they didn't see it, but they believed. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, something greater than this place. If they had been remembered, sorry, if they had been remembering that land, the land they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. If they were thinking about where they come from, they could have went back. But they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Faith and life leads us to a place. Right? Faith and life leads us somewhere. Faith and life gives us a goal. Faith is not some magical thing that causes us to believe that there maybe is a God or maybe is not. It's not some half-hearted thing. It's a deep-rooted conviction in us that we will see what we already believe. It goes on, it says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac, who was the son of the promise. Hey, you're going to have a million, billion, kajillion kids through this guy. This is the heir. And, and then God said, hey, go up to the mountain and sacrifice him. And he said, okay. Because he believed that this was God's promise and God would come through. The, the sword death couldn't keep God from doing what he promised. He believed even if he did let him go through and kill him, he'd raise him back up. Faith and life. It goes on and on and on and on. Talks about Moses, talks about Isaac and Jacob. Over and over and over again, we see people who believed God and it affected and infected their life. And it goes on. And, and, and like all these people that we see here are people that we would think if we've ever read the Old Testament are these heroes, right? We look at all these people and then those people like maybe we aspire to be like maybe David is your guy. He believed God and God said he has, he was a man after God's own heart. He, he was a sinner. He messed up. He made mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart because he believed God. See, see, faith is what pleases God. If we want to live a life that pleases God, we have to believe, right? We have to have faith in God. It says actually just right there in the, in the verse a few verses ago that it's impossible to please God without faith. Your religion doesn't please God. Your coming in this room doesn't please God. Belief, this deep-rooted conviction, what we can't see but we long to see, that's the thing that, that, that pleases God. And all these people had faith. We, we look at them, we're like, man, Noah built a boat. That's awesome. Man, Moses led people out of Egypt. That's awesome, man. Abraham, he left his home and he went out and it's awesome. We look at all these people and they're like heroes of the faith. They're like the precious moments where you get like half the story. Like these are the stories. But if you start going through here and what you realize fairly quickly, if, if you read any of their stories, is all these people had issues and struggles and problems. Right? Like all these people, we, we forget sometimes because we're like, oh yeah, they had faith and God, you know, blessed them. They all had problems. They all had issues. Like they, they all they all dealt with sin and shame and guilt and, and, and really like in their lives every moment was not grand and perfect and amazing. They they had struggles. They had battles of faith. Can you imagine being Noah? Like it's never rained before and you're building a boat in the middle of like nowhere and people are like, Wait, I don't even know what that is, what's it for? And he's like, Oh, there's gonna be a lot of water and they're like, Dude, you're crazy. There's where's it gonna come from? And he's like, That's gonna fall out of the sky. And they're like, That doesn't even happen, that doesn't make sense, man. And he's like, No, but God said it and, and they called him crazy and they looked down on him, but he just believed God. In a way that when everybody mocked and everybody like he's just I'm building a boat. Moses, like, in Pharaoh's household, saw how his people were being treated, kills a guy. Hold on, hero of the faith. Kills a guy, tries to hide it, buries him. People find out about it. Coward, runs, because he's like, they're going to kill me now. Goes out in the wilderness. God calls him to do a thing. He argues with God. He's like, I'm not a good speaker. Hero of the faith. Had struggles and issues and problems and sin. The things we focus on and try to say, this is why we cannot follow God or this is why we cannot get close to God. Every one of these people had. 
I can't do this thing that God has called me to because I, I don't believe that I can do it. That's in there. I can't do this thing that God has called me to do, or I can't come close to God because of the sin that I have. Isn't it in there? Okay, there's a murderer who leads all of God's people out of Egypt. It's in there. There's a guy who chronically lies that God blesses and uses to build his people. David, sexually immoral man. God says he's a man after my own heart. All of our excuses actually fall away because it's not really about our excuses, is it? It's about faith, a belief that affects our life. And that's the thing that pleases God. Not coming to church, that's not belief that affects our life. That's just what we ought to do. Not singing the songs, that's not belief that affects our life. Not even raising our hand, not dancing in a chair, not shouting. Like None of that is this barometer of, of our faith. The faith is, I just believe what God said he can do. And I believe who he says he is. At the core of me. And I believe that one day, maybe not today, you can struggle and still have faith. Because faith isn't what I see right now, it's what I believe I will see. It's this deep rooted conviction in us that says, I will see God accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish. And do what he says he'll do. And I'm living my life in that direction. That's faith. That's the definition of faith. He starts out, he's like, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. I believe it and I'm living toward it. It's the proof visible in us of what is not yet seen. And then he goes through all these people. And all this list with all this struggle and all this heartache and all this problems and all these sins. And he says, look at these jacked up people who are your heroes. And remember, they're jacked up people. But they're heroes, not because of what they did, but they believed God would do what he said he would do. And then he did it. That's the headline today. God does what he says he will do. And you can trust it. And he goes through and he lists all these things. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, right? By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, again, issues, received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, Obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, quench the raging fire, escape the edge of the sword, gain strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, put foreign enemies or armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Some men were, listen, tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings and as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in, in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. And these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Faith doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. Faith doesn't mean everything's going to be rosy and perfect. Actually, it means when it's not, we still believe that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. That's faith. The reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not yet seen. That's the context that 12 sets in. It's so important we get that today because we got to relate to this today if we're going to do this today. We call it the hall of fame of faith, right? 
Here's these heroes who we forget so often struggled and had issues and problems. But the struggle and the issues and the problems did not keep them away from what God was doing. I actually believe that through that, God did what he said he would do. Struggle is often the open door to the power and the presence and the person of God. And without struggle, nothing really ever great happens. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, it's 11, since we can see it, right? Since there's all these people who have faith and their faith connected with their life, not just I went to church, right? Like David didn't make it into the Bible because he went to church. Abraham didn't make it into the Bible because he listened to Caleb. Rahab, the prostitute, didn't make it into the Bible because she was a moral lady. They made it in because they had faith. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what does it say? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. This is what he says. Because we can see it. Because we see that God always comes through and God always does what he says he's going to do. He says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. It's just a fancy word for traps us. And run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about a race and, and Paul spoke about a race, right? Like all the runners in the race, all race, don't you know? Like everybody's here to race. If you come to the stadium and you get down on the track, like everybody's running a race. And, and the message was, right, like every, all of us are running somewhere. And here again, we see this race reference in, in 12. And it's like, what is he talking about? All right, right? Like, we're not, we're not going to all just leave here and like go running up and down the road. Hopefully, I'm not going to do that. You can do that if you want to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's not the race that lies before me. Maybe it's the race that lies before you. Um, but it ain't my race. But what he's saying, right, is, is we're all running somewhere. Every person is going somewhere today. When you, even right now, right? Like when you leave this place, even in this chair in this moment, like all of us are going somewhere and there's a destination, there's an end to our race. You could just replace race with life. Like we are, we're all going to live our life. We're all going to keep living our life in whatever way we want to. But he reminds us as the church here that, that we have a specific race set out in front of us. People that know Jesus have a specific race that's in front of them, a specific life, maybe, course that's in front of them. There's a, there's a specific way that God would have for us to run or to live. What he's saying here is we're not just wandering around aimlessly today. See, the amazing thing about a race is, right, like we know where the finish line is. We know where the end point is. Like you don't just, I don't know which way I'm going. I don't have a GPS, but I'm in this race and I'm just going to get out here on the road today and I'm going to run. Hopefully I'll catch up with the other runners or figure out where the other runners are going. Like that's not how a race works. A race has a beginning and an end and we know where the end is. And at the end, there's a finish line and there's a place that we're going. And that's what he's saying about us is we're not roaming around aimlessly through life. We're not wandering around through life, but we have a specific place that we're headed. We have a goal, we have an end point, that we have a purpose, is what he's saying. Just think of it that way. That, that the race here today has a purpose. There's, there's an end point. There's somewhere that we're running to. I just want to say that today as you go through your life. If you know Jesus, you have a purpose. There's something that God has for you. There's a specific course that he's, he's placed you on. And you can just roam around if you want to. You can just go through motions if you want to. You can try to just kind of hope that you wander into it eventually if you want to, or you could just get engaged with the purpose that God has for you. And the purpose God has for you is to, to live in a way that's pleasing to God until you get to him. We try to make it so hard sometimes, right? Like what job does God want me to have? What car does God want me to have? God, I don't know that he really cares to be honest. He just gets you a job and work because there's bigger things to do today. See, the goal is for us, right? Like if, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then we're probably thinking about pleasing God in chapter 12. 
And we're going to please God by living a life that is pleasing to God until we get to God. That's the end of the line. That's, that's where we cross the rope, right? Like that's, that's where we want to end up at. We want to all get to the right finish line today. And we can't do that if we're just wandering around aimlessly through life. Nobody ever lived a life that was pleasing to God by just roaming into it. Nobody ever stumbled into a life that was pleasing to God. Actually, the only people today who will live a life that's pleasing to God are people who set out to do so. If the intent of our heart is I want to please God, you can live a life that's pleasing to God. If the intent today is I got to go to work and I got to do the thing and I want to get through the motions and I I want to get to retirement and I want to get to vacation and all those things, you're hoping you stumble into something that you're never going to stumble into. The goal today, if we want to be pleasing to God, has to be to be pleasing to God. We all have goals, right? If you don't, then, you know, we'll have a class for that after. You can meet me and I'll talk you through, like, we need some goals. You're not going to do very well in life if you just don't have goals, right? Like, that's just reality. If you don't have somewhere you're going, then how are you ever going to know if you get there? <laughs> all right? Like, you got, you got to have goals. We all, we all have goals. I think in our hearts we know that. And for some of us, your goal is simply this. I got to get to tomorrow. And I'll figure out the next goal the next day, and it's probably going to look like i got to get to tomorrow. Because we, we can get caught in that cycle of just, man, this life is horrible. I'm going through the thing, and i just got to exist. i just got to get to the next day. And I know that. I've been there. Some of us, our goal is, is bigger than that. Like we have like, you know, like a longer-term goal, like, man, I want to get this promotion or this job. Or maybe it's even longer-term than that. Like I want to be a good parent or I want to have a family or I want to whatever, right? God's not saying today that you you can't have those goals. It's probably a good thing if you're a good parent. I think that'd be nice. It's probably a good thing if you're a good spouse. That'd probably be nice, right? It's probably a good thing to have the promotion maybe for some of us, unless it pulls you away from God. It's probably a good thing, right, to, to, to go on vacation. I like vacation. We just talked about that. That was the beginning, right? Like, I like to do that. I think what he's saying today is we've got to surrender all those goals if we want to be pleasing to God to a greater goal. And the goal for us, if we want to be pleasing to God, is, is really simple, to live a life that's pleasing to God. And here's the amazing thing when we do that. Let me just show you what happens when we refocus like that. Are bad parents pleasing to God? That's an easy question. Are bad parents pleasing to God? No. Are bad workers pleasing to God? No. Are bad spouses pleasing to God? No. When you focus on, I want to live my life in a way that's pleasing to God, doesn't he just take care of the other things? It's foolish, really, to put all of our goals on all these other things and leave out kind of where we're running, isn't it? I just got to get to the next hurdle. I got to get to the next thing. That's no way to win a race. You win a race by knowing what's at the end and charging towards that thing. And he's saying, hey, here's, here's the thing for the church. God didn't let down Moses. Struggled, jacked it up. You all don't remember that because God came through in such a way in his story. The only thing you think is, man, he let all them people out and he just opened up the arms and, and the sea split open. Like that, that's a man of God. That's the stuff you remember, not all the other stuff. Because God came through. Abraham, you don't remember. Oh, yeah, he lied a couple times because he thought that he was going to get killed before God ever come through on his promises uh, because he, he figured he would just say that his wife was his sister so that they didn't try to steal her and kill him. You, you didn't get that he lied. You didn't get that he kind of wrestled with, uh, hey, God, uh, I'm going to try to make this happen on my own, so I'm going to have a kid with this lady because maybe you got the story wrong. You don't get any of that, do you? You just get, man, God birthed a people out of Abraham because Abraham believed in the promises of God. You don't ever get to that part in the story by just trying to get through the next hurdle. He says, faith is this. We believe that God says and who God says he is and what he says he's going to do. And because of that, we set our goal on being pleasing to him until we get to it. He says, because of all this that we can see in chapter 11, let's lock our eyes on him and run. 
run toward a life that's pleasing to God. Now, how, how do you do that, right? Like, because that, that's, statistically, you ain't going to do that if you just get up today and come down here and say a prayer and, and get up and nothing changes about your life, right? I've, I've said that prayer before, and I realized that the next day I screw it up again, right? Like, like I've been there before. Still have days like that. Will he give us the ingredients for that, or at least in part, right before that, right? Because we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entraps us or ensnares us and run the race with endurance. So we know what sin is. He says we have to lay aside sin if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to God. But let's just, do we have, I can't see the back one, so I hope there's a definition. Yeah, um, sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Let us lay aside sin or these immoral acts that are transgressions against God's law and run with endurance the race that lies before us. That's, that's like part of the race. If we're going to live a life that's pleasing to God, something we got to quit living in is sin. You know why? Because sin will trap you. Sin will trip you. Sin will kill you. That, that's the image here. We talked a few weeks ago how this devil, this enemy is like a raving, roaring lion, and he's just looking for whoever he can kill. He loves to kill people with the sin trap. Seen it happen. Praise God, there's been grace over my life, and I've not been there yet. But I've seen it happen. He loves to kill people with the sin trap, right? Because Sin's an immoral act, but it's an immoral act that most of the time we really like. It's most of the time something we're not very serious about. It's most of the time something that we know God's not pleased with, but we talk ourselves into like he doesn't really care. And I will say today, God is a loving God and a forgiving God and a God who's full of grace. And he knows we're going to mess up and he knows I'm going to mess up and he knows you're going to mess up. And he forgives sin. That's why he came and they died on the cross. He, he did that. But the enemy still lays the trap. And if you're going to live a life where you're full speed running ahead towards God, he says, you, you got to take off some of this sin stuff. Now, I could go down the list of sins today. I would miss a lot. So I'm just going to say today, God probably is already speaking to you about what he's talking about. You know right now the thing that God's like, Bro, you got to take that off or it's going to kill you, don't you? Like you do. Anybody, let's just be honest today because I think there's a lot of freedom in it. Anybody struggle with sin? Look at you people with your hands down, liars. Um, that's your sin. Um, we all struggle with sin, right? It's, it's in the word of God, right? Like if we say we're not, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. That's, that's God's word. All of us struggle with sin. You know why? Because these fleshly bodies, they, they want it. They, they crave it, right? Like it feels great. It looks great. It, whatever the thing is, right? Like we want that thing and, and we struggle with it. But here's the amazing thing. If that's how it had to be, would God write this in his word? If forever and ever and ever and ever we could never make any headway, we could never have any victory, we could never see God change anything about that, would he, would a good God, a loving God, dangle that over us and we could never reach it? Not, not a good God. We will struggle with sin until we leave this place, but we don't have to struggle in the same way forever. We can see victory. We can come out of a lot of that. We can actually choose to take off a lot of those things. And we may fall and stumble, but we'll get back up and run again. But every single day, what he's saying is, if you want to run this race, you have to choose to daily just, hey, I'm taking this off today. I'm choosing to not today. The craving may never go away. I don't know. I've never been addicted to drugs, but I know some people that are. And they say that, man, you never really get free from that. It lessens, but once you're drunk, they say, they say you always are. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but, but maybe you always can go back to it. You always have to watch out. You always have to know there's a trap there. You always have to be aware. And he says, man, you, you got to be aware. There's some traps out there that want to kill you, and you, you got to take them off. you got to be serious about it if you want to be pleasing to God. If you want to wander through life, step in all the traps. You can get to heaven 
covered in sin. I, I believe that. I believe that you can get to heaven and, and not see a whole bunch of victory in your life because you can just choose to, you know, I said the prayer and I, and I know God saved me, but I, I don't want to do anything with that. I wouldn't trust that. I'll be honest. I wouldn't, whatever that faith is that doesn't affect your life, I, w- I wouldn't put my eternity on it. But somebody may make it. But you can't have any assurance, can you? You say, man, if you're going to run this race, you've you got to take some of that stuff off. If you're, you're going to get there, you've got to you quit falling in all these traps. You know what the traps are. It's the same trap every single day. You know what the trap is. Just quit, quit falling in the trap. But he, he says this other word. This is the word that, that's weights. Now, weight. Do we have weight? I think we have weight. Yeah, a weight is to make something heavier by attaching an object to it. Especially so as to make it stay in place. Weights are something heavy that are designed to make you stay in place. I thought of like a paperweight. I don't, that's kind of a useless thing, I guess, unless you have a window open in your office. But like a, whatever a paperweight is for, right? Like that's the, that's the purpose of a paperweight. It's this heavy object you just put on stuff so it doesn't blow across the room. It's designed to make it stay there. Some of us are trying to run towards Jesus with, with paperweights on our back. Now, see, a weight is separate from sin here because a weight doesn't have to be a sin. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. A weight can be anything, anything that holds you back from what God would, ha- would have you to go towards, right? That, that is a weight. Sometimes that's a relationship. Sometimes that's a person. Sometimes it's a, it's a decision. Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes it's whatever. A weight can be anything. Weights are just the, the chains that hold us back from, from running towards God. Some of you know there's things in your life that are keeping you right now from being living a life that's pleasing to God. And you can go through the motions, you can come to church, and you can sing the songs, but you're like, you, you know, right? Like, you know where you should be, you know where you should be heading towards. That's called conviction. We try to block it out, but that's like a real thing. Um, we know where we should be with God. Usually it's preceded or ends up with a comment like this, I don't feel like I'm close to God. There's a thing on us that keeps us from being there, but we don't really know if we want to let go of that thing. That's a, that's a weight. Whatever that looks like in your life, that's a weight. But we don't have to have those. Why would the writer put in here, if again, if he was just dangling it over us, you can never get here, ha, 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 ha. You can never get out of sin, ha, ha. You can never get out of this weight. You're never going to, why would, why would God do that? See, in, in the verse, there's a hope that we don't have to live this way. You don't have to live far away from God. You don't have to continue to stumble in the same thing. You don't have to continue to fall in that sin and fall in that trap. You don't have to continue to do that. If you did, they would have never put this verse in there. You don't have to be in sin. God actually, in James, I think chapter 5, gives us a recipe for getting out of sin, right? Right? Confess your sons, sins to one another and pray for each other and, and you'll be freed from it. We don't want to do that because it's vulnerable and it's hard. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of wisdom that has to be used there because some people will use that to beat you. You got to know where you can speak that place and, and you got to find a safe space to say, you know what, this is the real me. You can put this on in front of everybody else, but you have to find a spot and go, you know what, this is me. Because if nobody knows, nobody can pray with you out of that trap. There's some humility in, hey, this is me. This The church is, hey, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay. Yeah, I dressed up today, I'm at church, it's a great day. Following Jesus is, man, I got holes and scars and issues. And Jesus is bigger than every single one of them. See, that builds faith in others. You, you don't have to walk in weights. You can You can cut weights off, but again... A lot of times you have to just be honest and say, hey, this is, this is the thing that's holding me back. See, what that does is two things. One, you are admitting out loud you're not where you're supposed to be with God. Two, you're admitting out loud you have a desire to do something about it. And three, you're saying to someone else, I know what the problem is. Please, please come with me and help me. Pray with me. Pray for me. Until I can get this off because I want to run. I want to run. The writer says, look what happens when you run. Some of you, your heroes are like Moses. That's the guy you want to be. Look what happens when you run. You can have issues and problems and struggles and still run. Some of you, maybe Abraham's your guy. Like, 
you can have issues and problems and struggles and still run. Some of you may be David is your guy. You can have issues and problems and struggles and still run, but you got to run. And as you run, he's like, man, you, you gotta, as you get closer, you got to start swinging some of that stuff off. You got to start getting rid of that dead weight that's holding you back. You, you got you to press toward it. But as you press toward it, you've got to make the choice to let other things go. And for some of us, that's, that's a hard choice because that's people we don't want to hurt. That's things that we love that we don't want to get rid of. There's a lot of honesty and a lot of prayer. And that's why he writes this word after that, endurance. I love endurance. I don't think I got the definition for it because I made up one that I love. Um, to endure gives us an image of struggle, doesn't it? You don't have to endure something that's easy. If you brought me a banana split, I don't have to endure that banana split. I'm going to devour that guy. But you got to endure stuff that's a struggle. The word endure actually just puts in the story, it's going to be hard. The word endure means to struggle forward. To continue where you're going even in the struggle. See, taking off sin, it's going to be a struggle. And there's going to be days where it beats you and days where you beat it. And you're going to play that long game. You're not going to beat sin today, probably. You're not going to beat sin tomorrow, probably. Actually, 30 years down the road, you may still be struggling, but you won't be struggling in the same spot, at least, if you press forward, if you endure. Some of these weights, it's going to take a while to cast off weights. Some, some of those weights are things you've done to you, other people have done to you. Right? It, takes a, it takes a long time to take off some of these weights. Some of you have had horrible things done to you, and that's holding you back from God. And you're like, I don't know how to get out of this weight. You've you got to continue every day to choose to just, you know what? I know what's happened to me, but I know what God's done for me. And some days you're going to win, and some days it's going to win, but you've got to struggle forward. Because look what happens when you run, is what he's saying. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily, not even hard for it, ensnares us, traps us, and run with endurance the race with the purpose that lies before us. Here's how, keeping our eyes on Jesus. You're never going to get there unless you know where you're going. You're never going to get to Jesus by, by, by running towards that thing. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. He's where our faith comes from, and he is the perfecter of it. If you run forward, God will perfect your faith. You don't have to do it. He'll do it in you. Who for the joy that lay before him ran his own race. He endured a cross and despised the shame and, listen to this, has sat down at the right hand of God's throne you know when you sit down when the work's done you sit down when there's nothing else to do you don't sit down when it's work time you sit down when work time is done right and he's saying jesus has already done all the work He's already done all the work. There's actually very little for us to do today. Jesus stepped down out of heaven and he made a way that all of us today could run a race. None of us have to wander purposelessly through life. None of us have to just hope we arrive somehow. Jesus has, has come down to give us a, a point to run towards. He's come down to set the coordinates today in the GPS. He's come down and he's done the cross. Not because it seemed fun. It was a struggle. I know it's like, oh, it's God. He didn't hurt. I know it's God. He didn't. No, he felt every beating. He felt every nail. He felt every thorn on that crown. He just knew what was coming. He knew what would be accomplished. He, he knew where we were headed. He knew it was worth it when he set out to run the race. So he ran. And saying, look where he is now. Man, it was a hard couple moments there, but look where he is now. See, the reality today is that that could be anybody's story in this room, couldn't it? 
You could be living in the hardest moments of your life. You could be struggling today with sin and shame and guilt and, and depression and anxiety. You could, be, you could be struggling today with these weights that are holding you back. You could be struggling today with any manner of things. God knows that we struggle. It's a guarantee. He doesn't write words like endure because some of us struggle. He writes words like endure because all of us struggle. But what he's saying is, man, look at Jesus. Look, look where you're headed. Look where you're going. Look at where he is. He's done with all that. All the struggle is, is done for Jesus. All the, all the sorrow and the sickness, all, all that's done in Jesus. And he's like, so maybe today is a hard day and maybe tomorrow will be a hard day. And maybe three months from now, it'll be a hard day. But you can get through those hard days if you know where you're going. You can, you can get through the worst moments of your life if you know where you're going. But you got to know where you're going. You know why some of us, we, we feel like giving up some days because we're in our struggle? Because we aren't really sure today where we're headed. Our faith today is maybe some magical belief that maybe there is a God and maybe he does what he's going to do. And I'll be honest with you, the, the, the end game of that is not super great. I said that prayer that one time and I hope it works out okay. That's, that's not super great for most of us. But the end game of a faith that's been tested and tried and shaken and went through trials and struggles and just, just brings us closer to that reality of what we're hoping for. And maybe somebody in this room today walked in today feeling so defeated. You were like, man, I don't, I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if God wants to use me. I don't know if there even is a God. Maybe you walked in and that was your thoughts today. And I just want to say to you today, there is a God. I've experienced him. I've went through struggle and trial and I've been sitting exactly in the moments you're sitting in today where I thought if there's anything to this guy, why am I going through this? And I just want to say to you today, if you just keep struggling forward, and at the end of this thing, there is a good God who you can trust in. For some of us today, maybe we've just been, I know it's like an old church word, backsliding, right? We're like, man, I used to be so close to God. Now I'm so far away from God. And, and I just wonder, maybe is it because we quit running? We got so bogged down in, in sin and shame and guilt or, or those weights in our life that we just, we've been standing in the same place for so long. We're like, I don't even know how to start running again. If that's you today, God's saying, hey, why don't you just tap back in the GPS, Jesus. That'll be a really good start. You got to know today that there's a purpose and a plan for your life and that's to be pleasing to God until you get with him. And if you live out of that fuel and you start taking off some of that sin and some of that shame and some of that guilt and some of that weights and you start taking off some of those things, God will set you free to run. We got to today be free to run. You got to today be free to run. I got to today be free to run because setting around under these weights and sin, it's killing us and it's killing the church and it's killing what God has for your life. God has amazing things for your life. His amazing things for your life. Look at chapter 11. He's got amazing things for your life. The thing at the end of your life, if you'll run towards God, is not gonna, the thing you're talking about is not, man, I really struggled. It's look at what God did. The thing at the end of your life, if you're running towards God, the thing that you're talking about, the headline on the tombstone is not going to be, man, look at what they went through. It's going to be like, look at what God did through them. And he's saying today, you got to run. You got to come. You got to come this way. What I've got is amazing. And you got to come. Focus and run.